Welcome back to the apartment library, where we have so many books, it looks like a library. But it's our apartment. We actually got some books today. Yes, we added to the apartment library collection. Well, I got something. And you surprise, surprise, sci-fi. They were all, where are they all actually? Yeah. We only got two, right? No, we got four. Four? We went to the oh, true, public two library. From the, yes, yes, yes. And the book Bazaar. And they were all sci-fi. That's right. Shocker. So the past, and today we're reading a sci-fi book. No. Dude, there's a talking cat. Of course, it's a sci-fi book. <laughs> not really, though. It's not classified. It's sci-fi. Says you. Says. Says who? The Library of Congress. The Library of Not. <laughs> so what did we read for this week? Or not even this week, because this isn't really a weekly podcast. But you know what I mean. This episode well, we were reading it this week, actually. It was a pretty nice, short and sweet little novel. Yes. The Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiro Arikawa. Like how I pronounced that? Yeah, it sounds very authentic. Yeah, well, that's what happens. When you're an authentic man. <laughs> when you got the skills. That's right. <laughs> translated yeah. into English by Philip Gabriel. Who was also translated some Haruki Murakami novels. Mm-hmm. He is... A pretty prominent translator of Japanese into English, as far as I understand. What a pro. I know. That must be difficult. It can be easy. Well, I have translated, and it's not an easy job. And I translated what I presume to be easier languages to translate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But speaking of Murakami, I think this book had some of what I find makes Murakami's novels like so quaint and delicious mm-hmm. you know they're and it, it wasn't the same it's not to say that like they they were similar to that extent but yeah it had it had an ambiance it had like a very quaint evoke, and, yeah similar images mm-hmm. to, for me in my head when i read them yeah and it touched on a lot of the same or like it it, it plucked the same strengths for me i think that the mundane and every day it literally is just a story of a cat uh, and his owner driving the cat around trying to get people to take the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Solid summary right there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, like, count yourself a uh, spoiler warned because yep. from there on out. And it ends up being a super, super sad, super poignant but sad mm-hmm. little novel with a great ending. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, this is one of the few books that I actually teared up reading. Oh, yeah. I... I so I read this on my on my e-reader, and when you borrow books from the library and you're done reading them, the second you like hit the last page, it gives you a pop-up that says, would you like to return the book early? And I just clicked it out of habit. habit yeah. And then I was like, oh no, but I wanted to read the last page again. Aww. So I went and like, sure enough, there's the PDF of the book somewhere online. And I read it again while sitting on the throne at like two in the morning (laughs) and i was like my god this is the cutest book i know it is so heartwarming because i mean you and i we love cats we have our own kitty that we're taking care of right now and i don't think you have to be a cat lover or an animal lover to like this book but i think it hits a lot harder i would imagine i think satoru the the main character would tell you otherwise though that was like such a line, especially at the end with like Noriko, his his aunt is so not well versed in like what a cat is like and what a cat does and what mm-hmm. a cat likes. 
And he tells her, yeah, if you were a cat person, you would get it. You know, oh, a cat person would get that sort of thing. It was just a thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's more so than it is obviously in real life. Because, like, being a cat person just, or a dog person, conversely, just means that you prefer one over the other. Yeah. But here it is kind of elevated to a level of, like, you understand them and you know everything about them. And, like, mm-hmm. you're just, you got this, like, deep connection, which ends up being a pretty strong component or theme of the book at the end that it is it, or at least in in my experience it kind of like talked to that part of me as, as a person you know like that yeah. relationship that you have with a pet mm-hmm. yeah that's a really sweet theme of the book is if you've ever had a pet like you can totally relate to just like the love that exists between a pet and their caregiver yeah, it's just really sweet, like, and how loyal they both are to each other. And I, I really like how a lot of this book is is from Nana, the cat's perspective. So you get to hear the little quirks and sarcasm that people associate with cats. You know, the cats think they're perfect and they're so refined. And that's kind of part of Nana's personality is he's a wise cat. He always says how wise he is. Mm-hmm. And, it was funny you say that. Yeah, I actually didn't think about it in, in those terms while I was reading it. I did I did think it was uh, a uniform thing throughout the novel. In a, I don't know, like two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way, I was kind of like, okay, well, like the cat sounds kind of monotone. It didn't bother me, but I just noticed that. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, it kind of made sense to me that like it just kept it that way. And that like, obviously, the animal is a bit more of a simple creature so it perceives it was just so cute the voice that mm-hmm. uh the author gave him you know that the cat is like super like you said sarcastic and haughty yeah. and it, it all it always has like these <laughs> cute little sardonic comments about the things that it doesn't like mm-hmm. and, and responses to the things that people say and do which obviously they can't hear but he's just kind of telling himself, like, mm, you idiots. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really cute. But, yeah, so just to reiterate, this is totally a, a spoiler review. So if you haven't read this book and you're interested, the only content warning, I guess, that, like, people look out for, I think I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen it Googled. And people are asking, like, does the cat die in the book? And spoiler ahead, yes, the very end of the book is the cat essentially in a sleep finding out or having these beautiful dreams in which Satoru, who has already died, visits him and is inviting him to come over mm-hmm. beyond the horizon. Aww. That's the last slide. It's, it's so sad. It's but it's so poignant. It's, it's so beautiful. Because, yeah, because like the cat doesn't die prematurely. Like I think he Nana eventually dies of old age at the end. So Yeah, and it's not it's not a sad death in that way. Nor is it a sad separation of them. Like the yeah. cat kind of accepts that Satoru dies and accepts the transition and the change and is sad when it's separated from him when he starts to go to the hospital all the time. Mm-hmm. And at one point, knowing that they can't accept cats in there, like Satoru kind of says goodbye. Yeah to his cat and and he goes to stay full time at the hospital to die pretty much and that's i think when you have you have like the biggest like ex abrupt from nana where he really wants to be with him and yeah 
He's so loyal. Yeah. Like, he, there's a few times in the book where Nana says, like, I'm your cat till the very end. Like, let me be with you. Don't don't try and shut me out. And it's very cute. Like, it just, I hope that, like, our kitty feels like that, that she wants to be with us. <laughs> yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. And he becomes a stray again at the end because he's a stray in the beginning. And that's how yeah. he comes to... To yeah. meet Satoru because he likes to sleep on top of his van because it's nice and warm. Yeah. And says that. Mm-hmm. My God, what a cute book. <laughs> I know. It is so, like, I think one of the quotes on the cover says that it feels like a Studio Ghibli movie. And it totally has that vibe. I mean, <laughs> less of the magical, weird stuff that usually is in Studio Ghibli movies, but it has that, I guess, like, we, I, at least I romanticize like Japanese things so much like just living in japan being in japan just sounds so peaceful and beautiful so i I kind of like attach those images to the book and i mean there were some really really nice parts of the book that made me just visualize like wow like the part where they go to hokkaido Mm -hmm. and just the descriptions of the beautiful flower fields and the vibrant red trees and red berries or whatever on the trees and and then you look up, I Googled a picture of what Hokkaido looks like, and it just looks like a fairy tale. <laughs> so I think just all that to say that the book just feels so cozy and warm, at least for me, because I, in addition to like the imagery in the book, like I just attach this really cozy, quaint atmosphere when I think of like a Japanese setting. And I've never been to Japan. It's just like my, my uh, image that I have of the country. I think that's very common. I think yeah. that that is in part how I visualize it as well, how I romanticize it as well. I think it's it lends itself to that very much. I think in part because it is to an extent like that, you know, mm-hmm. like so many places in the world, you know, obviously like, yeah, you're going to find places that like evoke something just by virtue of like how nice and clean and quaint and the architecture, the the style of living that people have in a place like that. And Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, Japan is just, it has been so insular over the years. I mean, it's literally like an an archipelago, an an island nation kind of. Mm -hmm. And it has just evolved to be so unique and different and has its own feel to it that you can't really find anywhere else. Korea, I guess, would be the place that comes mildly close, but Mm -hmm. not really. Yeah. And I think this novel, not as much as others that I've read that take place in Japan, written by Japanese authors, like Convenience Store Woman, mm-hmm. I think that, that really did it for me because that had a bit more of a sense of realism and it, it showed kind of like more, more of a busy Tokyo business mm-hmm. district type of thing. Yeah. Um, this felt much more rural, a lot of the story. In this book was, yeah, yeah. in the countryside, like very small little villages, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And a lot of it is, it covers their childhood and their adolescence, right? Like Mm -hmm. them growing up and their, the stories they're in. And that's largely it, I think. That was the, that was what made the novel. Obviously the connection between the man and his cat are, the connection between the man and his cat is, the fabric of this novel, but like what colors it so well is the story of his life 
in this episodic lyrical telling with the encounters of his friends from the past and it was just different it was unique i think we knew that we were going into a really cute story of you know like a traveling cat yeah exactly i didn't know anything about it before going in yeah and didn't look up anything about it i just knew it was going to be cute and adorable and maybe sad at times yeah <laughs> okay actually now that i remember like there there should be the content warning that like in the first couple of pages the cat is run over by, by a cat the cat is <laughs> <laughs> the cat's run over by a car yeah. and it has like bones sticking out yeah poor baby and then he goes to satoru yeah he's like that guy who gives me food he'll fucking help he gives me crunchies. I love how that's, that's right. That's the word that they use, like to, I guess, to describe kibble is crunchies. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. But yeah, that you do feel horrible for the kitty very early on in the story when that happens. It's pretty sad. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's a very simple novel. It's a fairly straightforward story. I think that like what lingered so much about it for me was the the sensation that it created that the, the feeling it evoked at the end particularly at the end the story was quaint and beautiful but it was really at the end that it came together and like kind of it was like the emotional punch at the end yeah yeah it, really, it was all, all built up to the end it, it really boiled down like the relationship between an a human and their beloved pet from the perspective of the pet However, it conveyed the feeling that, like, you have as a human. So, obviously, that's how we experience it. Yeah. And it was just, yes, yeah, so cute and made me want to, like, hug the cat until the stuffing almost comes out, like you said in the book, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so cute. It's very, very adorable. And there's just so many little things in there that, like, as someone who who has a cat or who knows cats, like, you can totally relate, like, their love for boxes. <laughs> Yeah. That's part of the book. It's the right box too, though. Like at one yeah. point, uh, Noriko tries to make him a nicer box, and what she thinks is a nicer box, and that like it's a little bigger, and it, it like she reinforces it with scotch tape or something. Yeah. But the cat looks at it and he's like meh, and he just no wants to use the old cat. Yeah. And like Satoru tells her, it's you know, it's too wide. They like a box where they can be nice and snug in there. And, yeah. And they like to discover things, which is so true. Like I mean, everybody who's ever owned the cat or even had someone in their life who owned the cat, you know that you can buy them a $10 toy and they'll play with the box. Yes. More than with the toy. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, like our cat's got 20 toys. She just, she prefers the pens. <laughs> yeah. The other day she we, loves pens. We found the pet, the pen under the carpet. <laughs> yeah, under the rug. Yeah. She must have been having lots of fun. I still don't know how she ended up putting it. And it wasn't like just slightly under the rug. It was like almost like in the middle in, of the yeah. rug. Like, I don't know how that happened. But she pushed it in trying to get it out. Just really, yeah, just those little quirks and those cute things about cats. Like the book is full of it. So you can tell the author either has her own cat or has in the past. Oh, big time. Yeah. Her own neko. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a gimmick at the beginning. I was like, okay, this is going to be a another book in which there's a talking animal or you can hear the the narrative from the perspective of the animal or they have their own, or they have their own internal voice or something like that. 
but it never really got old. Like at first it was like a bit, okay, whatever. It didn't like, you know, shock me or impress me or anything, but it just kind of built up on the cuteness of it, you know, yeah. adorable, but quirky and characterful and sarcastic tone that he had. And he didn't like his name and he preferred some things over others. But in the end, it just does maintain that detached nature that an animal has, you know, like you can. And that's where like a lot of like dog lovers will come in and be like, no, like if I'm crying, my dog knows and comes and sees me and whatnot, like we could be murdered and the cat would just like stand there and look at us get <laughs> murdered. You know, like there's certain things that cats are just completely ambivalent to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that is also cute in a way that they just sit there and the world happens and life happens around them and they just. They're on their own little world. Yeah, they just eat. Yeah. <laughs> they eat their crunchies. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not that much else to say. I thought it was great. It was lovely. And that ending was worth it. I mean, it's a really short, really quick read. Yeah. And that ending was up there. You know, like, I I think the most memorable books I've read in my life have all had punchy endings. You know, like, it really has to make up for it. If it doesn't have a very good ending, a memorable ending, it really has to make up for it with other memorable points in the story. But the ending, it's where it all comes together, where the the gut punch yeah. comes. So this one, yeah, like it, it's not anything. It's like Stoner by yes. John Williams. John Williams. Like, which we should read for an episode. Oh, we point. will read it for, yes. for this podcast for sure. Coming up. <laughs> yeah, where it's, it's just the story of a guy. It's just the story of a guy's life. And mm-hmm. here it's the story, largely the story of this cat's life. And like the relationship that the kitty has with Satoru. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it, it actually is more the, the life of Satoru told through his encounters with his friends. Mm-hmm. And also from the perspective of the cat and what the cat perceives. And it's just, it's used as a narrative tool more than anything. It's not concerned with, okay, everything is going to be from the perspective of the cat or we're going to have like a split narrative or anything like that. It has like multiple points of view mm-hmm. in different chapters and in different sections. And it doesn't really care so much as to convey the story and to like tell the story of Satoru's life and Satoru's growing up. And shit, we haven't even talked about like the big plot twist at the end, which I didn't see coming actually. Plot twist? You don't even you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's yeah, it wasn't I guess like maybe it was meant it was that that like Satoru's parents aren't his real parents oh, and that yeah, I forgot about that. He was adopted. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's not true. The, the judge in that case yes. and she yeah. Okay, yeah. That I forgot about that point of the story. It's so funny that like yeah, the gut punch that you get at the end from the relationship of Nana and Satoru at the end of Nana's life, it's so important and, and so effective that that part, which was actually, well, arguably, the more emotionally impactful and what should have been a more memorable point of the story. We didn't even think about it until now. We've been talking about it for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I totally forgot that part of the story. And it's it's cute because, like, yeah, Satoru, obviously, he got adopted by 
a different family, just like he adopts his kitty. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. they're both kind of taken in by people who who just love them. And like, they just want to take care of them. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. Like a cute parallel there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's so true. I remember that when that was revealed, I guess it's not super important either. No, like you, like, you, what you just did was to glean some meaning out of it, and that it is a parallel between the cat's story and this man's story, mm-hmm. and you can look at it like from all kinds of perspectives, from like the idea that like it is love is important and it triumphs overall, and that like being kind and being loving to others it is so important, and it it vanquishes over the other elements. The sad and bad elements, cause so cliche. <laughs> but yeah, like it, there wasn't a component of the story that like needed to be there. Nor did the story suffer because of it. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that like made such a. It, it's it's interesting actually that it didn't. It's actually that like you know we hadn't thought about it and we were just like talking about like oh it's so cute the cat and the yeah, band. Now. I guess because there's like so many. I guess sad moments in Satoru's life that any one of them on their own doesn't really stick out to me, kind of. Yeah, I remember I, we when we talked when I finished reading the book, I told you about it. I thought it was like it's this cute story of a cat, the traveling cat, but at the same time, the entire thing is punctuated by tragedy. Yeah, there are all these tragedies. I mean, obviously, like the biggest tragedy that happens in Satoru's life is that his parents die in a, in yeah. a car crash and. His adoptive parents, who he thought were his biological parents. Yeah, yeah, his parents die, right? And uh, all of his friends have their own types of tragedies to tell and like their own, right? Like everything is hardship and everything. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Like every part of the story has these poignant moments that are emphasized and move the story forward and kind of answer the the question that like Satoru has as to whether like these people are right to keep to get uh, to adopt Nana to adopt Nana to like to bring him in to take him in it, it, it is very effective when you think about it like when you actually like sit down and and try to make sense of like what is it that the story really is because it's so simple but it's also so memorable and beautiful and told in such a way that felt really unique yeah it's very heartwarming and yeah satoru as a person like he's such a nice person throughout the whole book like i don't think he does anything mean or cruel or you know what i mean yeah and, and the world had been so cruel too yeah the world was so cruel to him his parents died in a car crash he dies of cancer you know <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that'll do <laughs> like this poor guy has had a really rough life, but throughout it all, like he's, he was always super nice to his friends, super loving to Nana. He always seems to keep a good outlook on life. So it's really sad that he passes away in the way that he does. So yeah, this book definitely has some very dark elements, but somehow it doesn't feel like a sad book. Like when I think of this book, yeah, I feel emotional, but it's not, it doesn't ruin the book or it doesn't make me feel bad about the book. Like, if anything, the book has this really nice, optimistic tone when I think about it. 
just the way it addresses all those sad parts. It just seems very in a very optimistic light, kind of in a very accepting light. Yeah, I think I think that at, at the end, that emotional punch that you get from that last line or that those last few lines that describe the cat dreaming about his owner who's dead. But the message that is being conveyed, or the way that I interpret that message, is that life is beautiful and worth living in that way. If you have like people that love you and you love and whom you love and 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 people you can share it with and in the end yeah it is a tragedy his death but he loved his friend and his friend loved them so much that and they spent such beautiful times i think that was one of the the main lines at the end there that like guess i'm just gonna read it here my story will be over soon but it's not something to be sad about as we count up the memories from one journey, we head off on another. Remembering those who went ahead, remembering those who will follow after. And someday we will meet all those people again, out beyond the horizon. So it really is Aww. like... It's a very happy way to look at it. It sounds really cliche to say it's about the journey, not about the destination or something. But like mm. here, very much like the destination, the end, there's death. Yeah, and it very seems very much seems to imply that it's not a terrible thing if it is a life well lived, right? Mm -hmm. If you had love in your life, if you had joy and happiness and friends in your life, death is not necessarily a or it's not as much a tragedy. Yeah, and it's you have the memories that you spent with that person, and those will never go away. Like you'll always have those memories and those happy moments. Like the Nana just really loved his his traveling cat adventure. Like he loved the time that he spent with Satoru in the van, driving around Japan's countryside, visiting all these sites that Nana never got to see because he was he just lived around in Satoru's apartment and the little outside surroundings. So Nana was so happy to see all these amazing sights around the country that he never saw. So those are some really cute memories that he cherishes about Satoru. And even when he passes away, you know, he still has those those happy memories. Yeah. yeah. It's very cute. It is. That's It's literally cute, the book. Yeah. <laughs> Heartwarming the book. Cat lovers, the book. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very, very sweet book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for finding it. I don't think uh, I'd seen it mentioned before. There are a number of books like this that go by titles like this, and I'm sure they all make a splash within a community that like seeks to read this type of book. Uh, I generally don't. However, I really, really enjoyed it. It was lovely, mm -hmm. and I had a lot of fun reading it. Especially again, that ending. It's gonna stay with me forever. Yeah. It's just a very ephemeral feeling like dreamlike state with Nana at the end in his in his literal dream yeah. <laughs> seeing Satoru and and realizing that he lived a good life and now he's ready for the next adventure beyond the horizon. <laughs> yeah, it's very sweet. I just I just loved the there's so many cute little lines in the story, like little quips that Nana says. And I just love those cute little lines. 
and just yeah the the feelings the book evoked of just this quaint simple life of traveling around the countryside and seeing these beautiful sights it was just very heartwarming just a very yeah wholesome read <laughs> there i couldn't have said it better <laughs> the traveling cat chronicles and i'm not crying you're crying <laughs> so thank you so much hiro arikawa for this lovely little story and uh do not recommend any books like this to us because we will read them and i don't want to cry anymore no i've done um, enough of that and one last thing i loved about the book is it has cute little illustrations at the beginning of each chapter oh yeah that's the first thing i said when i yeah. when i opened it up i was like oh there's there's drawings. drawings and they're so cute it's almost like a kind of like a watercolor yes. style totally is of nana being a cutie yeah oh and there's a movie we're gonna watch oh yes yes i didn't want to watch the movie before we uh no because it might i think i had like like okay to good reviews okay so like it's not like there are there plenty of of books that i love that the movie was god awful (laughs) and i watched it anyway but you know it is it it does kind of tweak things a bit yeah it's always a bit of like is this gonna ruin it for me if i watch this horrible movie adaptation but i'm just curious to see how they're gonna do like we said, it, it must be just a voiceover for Nana. Because how else are you supposed to convey that part of the story? Yeah, I wonder. There's no other way. Like you just you have to have a human like doing a voiceover for the cat. I mean, I mean not necessarily, but that would definitely be the easiest way. How else could you do it? I wonder. I mean, you you not to say that it would work or that it would be great, but you could just easily like cut that part out. And, yeah, like, you could have it try from... to convey the the emotions and the themes that you learn through Nana's voice in the book in Uh, other ways. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It would feel like, cause that's to me, that's one of like the defining characteristics of the book. Yeah, it would change. So it would for sure change it, but yeah, they could have decided to go that way because maybe they thought the voiceover thing would be too cheesy or something, (laughs) which I, which I agree with. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, we'll watch that movie and then I'm curious to see how it'll compare. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. If you have any recommendations, please send them to apartmentlibrarypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. And who knows what we're going to read for our next episode, but it'll be good and you better listen to it. That's vaguely threatening. <laughs> or else. Mm-hmm.